Uh, only in the morning says Stace looks like he tried to sell you a tinny in the car park. I have no idea what a tinny is, but it sounds like a funny statement. <laughs> a tinny is like, uh, like a small little uh, amount of cannabis uh, wrapped up oh, in tin foil. Okay, in it's tin foil? You guys use tin yeah. foil? Uh, well, it's how you'd buy weed in a small amount in New Zealand. So, uh-huh. like, 20 bucks New Zealand, you'd get, like, a little kind of pencil worth of weed, like, rolled up, usually about a gram. Um, you don't then, use yeah, plastic get, bags? Nah, we get 50 bags. 50 bags is, like, 50 bucks for a baggie, so that comes in a bag, or if you're getting, like, a half ounce or anything more. But, like, weed's still, um, still illegal here, so... Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we don't know anything about that. We're talking about in a video game. <laughs> if you were to buy weed in a video game, it would come rolled up in, in tin. Uh- Welcome to the 53rd episode of the Cassidy's Creation. I'm your host, Chris Deering. This is the show where I interview bands and public figures from the MathCore, MathCore adjacent communities. If you beautiful people in chat have any questions or comments, feel free to drop them in. I'll try to read them aloud. If you like this up for five bucks, you get access to exclusive emotes, as well as access to the interviews before they hit YouTube and other streaming services. You can also sub for free by attaching your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account. Uh, it's like get, taking five bucks from Jeff Bezos' pocket and putting it into mine. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this in your car and have no idea what I'm talking about, the show is for shown live on Twitch. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at twitch.tv slash the cast creation for the live cast. With that out of the way, let me introduce our guest tonight who dropped their new album Nightmare Withdrawals back in March. Welcome in Ben Atkinson of Blindfolded and Led to the Woods. How's it going? Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. Who do we have here? <laughs> this is this is Craig, uh, my cat. She's standing for the rest of the band who are all working at the moment. <laughs> Uh, so getting blindfolded and led to the woods isn't inherently a bad thing. Uh, could be for a surprise birthday party. Maybe your significant other wants to surprise you with an awesome view, or maybe you're trying to pitch yourself against the elements like in the office. Uh, so put, put your band name into context. What's in the woods? Like, should we be afraid of it? (laughs) Anything you want, really? Like the whole, the whole name thing is supposed to be indicative of, um, you know, your own fears or your own interpretations. So, you know, some people have taken its pretty drastic measures, you know, some people have said, Oh, you know, you know, you're that band. That's this grotesque, grotesquely evil thing in the woods. Right. And then some people are like, nah, it's a good time. You know, you go there, you know, you're going to party and get loose and get up to trouble and have fun. So I think it's almost like sometimes a reflection of the person who makes the, makes the statement. Okay. So you go in there to party with the Bigfoot. uh so the band started in 2010 but you joined in 2018 uh how did that come about Uh, and what was your introduction to blindfolded led to the woods man i've known the boys since uh even pre-2010 uh when it was just Stu, tim and jared uh there were a three-piece called sacrament and uh my old band used to play shows with them around the southern parts of new zealand and so, like, I was a big fan of Blindfolded, like, through the first EP, through to My Vaseline Diaries and Modern Adoptsography. And I think it was probably near the end of the tour circuit for Modern, uh, where the band and Jared, the other guitarist, just decided to part ways. There'd just been some differences in, I guess, like, direction. Not creative direction, but uh, the band wanting to move into a more mature 
uh, phase of their career, wanting to take things a bit more professionally. I was going to um, say the early stuff is very, very much different from what they've got today. Yeah, it's always it's always been kind of a bit facetious, and you know, like the the guys always really cared and were really passionate about the music and the band, but the old stuff always had this big part of just having fun attached to it. Um, and they wanted to be different. Like their, their first promo shoots, they were all like in bright neon t-shirts and crazy wacky haircuts. And it was all like overtly like not metal. Uh, but then as it's kind of gone on, they decided to be a bit more professional and kind of give the music a chance to really shine and be appreciated. You know, have artwork that reflects it take ourselves more seriously. And, uh, and I guess that's when they, they gave me the call and asked if I'd be keen to join, uh, been a few years since I'd even played metal. So I didn't know if I had the chops, but, um, we gave it a whirl and yeah, I think it was like a three year anniversary a couple of days ago. So still here, still cranking. So like, like we were just saying there, uh, there, it was very different back whenever uh, the band first started. Did, did y'all still play those songs at the time that you joined or were they just kind of like buried and forgotten? Um, the, when I first joined, we had two songs that we were kind of road testing for Nightmare, Nightmare Withdrawals. That's the first and the third song on the album. Um, oh, all I the other stuff, stuff from like the EP and like the first album and such. Uh, none, of the, none of the EP stuff gets played, but um, we occasionally play tracks from My Vaseline Diaries. Uh, we played Father Harlequin a few times. We've got a show coming up soon and we're bringing back an old, old classic there. Uh, but typically most, uh, most of the time when we're performing, it's just the last two albums, modern and nightmare withdrawals. Okay. Uh, do the other members see like the, what was it? The last album, um, modern, uh, a doxography. Do they see that as like the first album really? Or are they still like uh, cool with like their beginnings? I think, I think everyone's pretty cool with the journey because you know, like you can't be where you are without the journey. Like if you don't include everything that's it's taken to get to where they are now, then it's not like a real true representation. And we kind of like that people can chuck on the EP and go, Oh, holy shit. There's bits in here that aren't even in time. Um, and then put on nightmare withdrawals and go, Oh, well shit. Look at how, look at how struggling they were to get a record that was in time or, you know, or polished sounding compared to now. So it kind of gives you that chance to like really look back and appreciate the journey. And I think like each release you can see, um, the band gets tighter. They start to take things a little bit more seriously as it goes along. And, and I think it's ended up now with Nightmare Withdrawals being a pretty polished album. The guys really respect the material and the art of making a record. So, yeah, we still, we still love to bring back an old song here or there, especially the ones off Modern, um, a few of those. I think like, there's a couple songs off Modern that if we were to re-record, they could easily kind of slip into Nightmare Withdrawals and, and not be really a stand. Like they wouldn't stand out as not fitting. I would say that uh, y'all or the the band before you, you joined really f- got the like their their new sound uh, down in modern a, a doxography like that's really where the, uh, y'all started to like get into like your own um uh and where you are currently uh, just to show people the difference here this is the EP cover <laughs> the with the clown <laughs> and uh, armed to the teeth with jelly beans so they they went from that to uh this 
very big difference. <laughs> you can see it in just like the album covers, how much more seriously uh, the, you guys take this now. And uh, it, it shows also, like, you could tell that y'all put in serious work into this. Um, it, it sees you pushing the sound that, you, uh, that y'all started on in, in modern, uh, turning into a pretty unique sound. How would you classify your genre right now? Oh man, <laughs> the, the world's hardest question. Actually, when we were like starting to shop it around to labels, we were just like, oh, you know, well, it's kind of hard to, to, to describe. And this guy that was kind of helping us said, oh, you know, you, you need to give it a label. It's just prog death, you know, like that's it. It's progressive death metal. That's what you say to people because you want people to just hear that and know what it's going to be. Um, but since we've released it, um, nearly every review is a totally different genre, um, you know, from, you know, just standard tech death to, um, you know, disso death grind to, uh, what was one I saw the other day? Horror deathcore. Horror deathcore. Um, I like that one. Yeah. So <laughs> I, it's different all the time. I just, when I talk to people who don't listen to metal, uh, sorry, Craig, <laughs> when I talk to people who don't listen to metal, I just say, oh, it's just death metal. Uh, because if you kind of try and break it down more, they're just going to look at you like a stunned fish. Um, but for most people that, that understand metal subgenres and whatnot, I just say it's usually like progressive death metal. It's got like, it's got dissonant elements. It's got some tech elements here, but there's also like lots of groove and um, the occasional kind of methy kind of time, weird time bits and whatnot as well. So yeah, it's mathy dissonant technical deathcore. Like it's easy. It's ro- it rolls off the tongue, honestly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for real, this is honestly the best work that the band's put out. It's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, what were your current influences going going into into the album? Man, different for everybody. Um, Stu writes pretty much everything, um, and man, he listens to heaps of shit. Um, He's a huge Nile fan, um, as am I. He's a huge Cannibal Corpse fan, so a lot of that real classic stuff. Um, but then he, you know, also really likes stuff like Cynic. Um, so a lot more progressive and nuanced in terms of dynamics. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't know if Stu listens to a lot of like dissonant stuff, and I mean, a lot of people have related us to bands and said oh this this just sounds exactly like this and it's like a band that i know none of us listen to um you know like i saw this morning someone said oh this is like this album from decapitated and i was like shit i don't even know if Stu even listens to decapitated probably not um i wouldn't really think it's his vibe so it's weird that a lot of stuff that people kind of think we sound like i know we haven't really traveled along in our musical journey um but yeah for me like one of my favorite metal bands is probably artificial brain. Ooh, that's um, a good one. Yeah, I def- definitely love, um, you know, I love listening to a band and going, I don't even know what the fuck they're doing, you know, <laughs> as a guitarist, not even knowing what they're playing, you know, like, cause you have that thing as a musician where you listen to something and you just, you can't help but analyze it. Like I'll listen to a record and go, Oh yeah. Mm, they recorded that the vocals line by line or, oh, there's actually two bass bits going on there or, you know, and you'll pick everything apart. Um, and so for a lot of stuff, even like complex tech metal, you'll listen to it and you can kind of visualize roughly what they're doing in your head. But stuff like Artificial Brain, I just listen to it and I'm like, ah, I don't fucking know. I don't know what's <laughs> And I, I like that because I can just kind of actually sit back a bit and enjoy the music for what it is. 
Y'all definitely have that aspect too. Uh, your first song on the album, um, hold on, I, uh, the inevitable fate of the universe. You got a, a music video for it, and I remember listening to it and not really understanding what the hell y'all were doing on the guitar. And then the music video, I see you guys just like sliding up and down the strings and stuff, and I'm like, oh, like this makes sense. So you definitely have that aspect where, you know, I have no idea what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> um. You, one of the more interesting parts about your music are the chill sex and chill sections that y'all put in. Uh, it's almost like indie rock in some parts. Uh, where does that man. come from? Um, man, a lot of that stuff actually was, I mean, the, the bones of the clean sections were written and rehearsed prior to going to the studio, but a lot of all the like kind of flourishes and those like indie bits kind of happened in the studio, like, uh, in the song lucid visitations, um there's kind of a piece in there that just sounds really like post-rock and it was just like i mean we play like i play like a custom new zealand made seven string guitar and stew's got his um seven string uh music man and there was just this beat up old like six string white ibanez strat copy from like the 70s or early 80s and he just picked it up and started doing a little like fiddly lead thing and we ended up like layering it in so like a lot of those little flourishes and and pieces just kind of happened in the studio like uh the the dude we had uh who produced and engineered it we actually flew in from australia because we didn't really know anybody locally here and we really loved his work and he just like because we recorded in a studio that's like for country music and shit so pulled out all these pedals which are you know pedals you're not really going to use in metal and we just fucking went ham on them um and it kind of helped actually bring something totally unique to those clean sections. Mm. Um, I, I'm actually really looking forward to the next album because now that we've started to include these clean sections um, and a lot more dynamics, I think they're going to get even more whack and weird um, moving forward. Honestly, I love them, man. Uh, was there any uh, reservations that other members had about putting that stuff in? I don't think so. Not, I mean, there was there was definitely one song where we, you know, we struggled for quite, quite a while to really lock down what we were doing. Um, that would have been track three, and you will try to speak, because uh, it's kind of got that, you know, the first half um, of that clean section is kind of more inspired by Interpol, and then the second half, it just goes into this weird little uh, kind of backbeat somber thing. And I mean, for me, when I hear that, I think, oh man, that reminds me of between the buried and me, like Alaska era. That's kind um, of stuff I was thinking of too. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and Stu probably doesn't listen to them at all. And he composed it, but, um, you know, for me, I was like, oh man, that reminds me of that heaps. And it took us ages to really lock that down and like get it where we wanted it to be. Um, because it was such a jarring change. Um, you know, that song's pretty just like furious blasting for ages with no fills and, and it's pretty fast. It's not really like complex, but it's just fast. And then all of a sudden it's like, bing, like, ding, 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 ding. let's chill like, it down a little bit. Yeah. He's <laughs> that little backbeat thing. So yeah, it was, it was a bit different, but people, people seem to really be enjoying that. So, so I are y'all uh, heading in a direction where we're going to get clean vocals on the next album? <laughs> that's the next step we man 
We joke about it all the time, but um, there were actually stage, tons of opportunities where that would have worked on here. Oh yeah, I mean, at this stage, I can't, I can't see it happening. Um, Are you saying I that your vocalist is a bad singer? <laughs> hey, <laughs> Shots fired. Um, I actually don't know if I've heard him sing much, um, but I'm sure he can pitch, pitch pretty well. I'm a fucking terrible singer, so I would stay very far away from that. I know Stu has some pipes on him as well. Um, so maybe i mean i'm not going to rule anything out who knows but uh it, it does seem like that logical next step but we try to be illogical a lot of the time <laughs> i like that i like that uh so what's the writing process like you were saying Stu mainly writes the stuff uh what, what's your what's yeah, your input uh, into this the Stu's our uh guitar player um he's he's written everything from pretty much day day dot um so he usually puts himself in his studio and he he'll write everything and he'll send us guitar profiles and we'll learn those uh for the first like couple months in the band room it just kind of stays like that like we learn the songs as they are we play them as we're more comfortable with them we each kind of change little bits here or there you know so for me it might be different voicings instead of just the exact note you might find a little different harmony or um, you might want to include using different effects in different areas. Um, the clean bits themselves are probably the ones that get the most rewriting um, when we're kind of in the band room and in the studio because they're open to a lot more interpretation because they're typically a fairly simple section when, we, when we're presented with them. Um, but, yeah, Stu, Stu writes most of it. We each kind of add bits in. Um, is there and, uh, just yeah. to be clear you're you're also a guitar player i don't think we mentioned that in the beginning um yeah. is there any part in here that's like the, uh, something that you wrote no nah, because sure sure brings everything to us um oh, i think like most of the clean sections i don't actually play what was originally written um and that's just because I don't know, for me, I, I love the dynamic bits. I love the clean sections. I love the bits that are not traditionally metal. Um, I went to jazz school years and years ago. So all that kind of stuff is more my fun time to play. When it comes to riffing, I'm just like, yeah, bro, you show me the riffs and I'll just do what I got to do. Um, <laughs> with the clean sections, that's where I like to kind of have my, my little bit of fun. Okay, okay, I gotcha. Uh, so you recorded at the sitting room studio, uh, which I guess is a country studio, like what you were saying. Um, and yeah. it was, uh, mixed by Samuel K. Sprawl, who seems like a big producer. He's got a big resume of bands he's worked with, but I've never heard of any of them. Is he like somebody big in New Zealand? Uh, he's a Kiwi, but he works, uh, out of Australia. He works with, um, uh, the drummer from Shehard, who's like, uh, New Zealand icon band, you know, New Zealand rock band that's been around the early nineties, which is probably our most famous rock band ever. Um, so he runs a studio in Melbourne that Sam works for him there. Um, they worked with a couple big, he's worked with a couple big New Zealand bands. So like alien weaponry who are like a, a bunch of young teenagers who do kind of a very accessible kind of core kind of thrash core metal, but uh, it's, it's vibed with uh, their New Zealand indigenous culture, their Maori culture. Uh, so they tell stories about their culture and stuff. Um, so oh, he worked sick. on that. Or, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty epic and it's well done. They're getting a lot of credit and they're only like 16 to 19 or something. Um, and Villainy, which are a pretty famous rock band here in New Zealand. Um, but he, he actually mixed modern 
uh, but we wanted to work with him right from the get-go. So we were sending him demos when he was in Australia and we were in New Zealand. We were sending him demos. We would catch up for chats over Zoom every couple of weeks um, pre-lockdown. So we were uh, trailblazers in the whole Zoom game there. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, and so we just like, had a really good relationship with him. And he brought a lot to the table in terms of how we recorded it. Like he was a real badass in terms of like, do it again, do it again, do it again, like making sure it's perfect. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, bringing all those um, pedals and different guitars and sounds to the table. Uh, we recorded it in like seven days or something. I wish we had Damn. twice that. Um, the short time. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were there from like 9 a.m. till 10 p.m. pretty much every day. But still, um, though, like it's a short period of time. Yeah, it was. I, I wish we had a lot longer because, especially to like flesh out some of those bits that could have been uh, like the clean sections or whatnot. Like, would have loved to have just had a lot more time on those. Um, yeah, and then we recorded the vocals at a friend's studio a little later. Um, but yeah, all that all that stuff was done in a short time. The sitting room studios is like in this tiny place uh, called Littleton, which is just out of our city. It's like a little port town. Um, heaps of like hipsters and whatnot but it was like a tiny little house like up on the hills so you like look out and you got the port in front of you um real beautiful place to record but it's like they they record like uh they've recorded marlon williams here who's like a kind of uh country pop uh new zealand artist who's doing really well he's won all these new zealand awards and they had recorded one rock band there. And then we walk in like death metal and the guy who owns the studio was just like, fucking hell, holy shit. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a really good studio. And we were all about like the vibe because there's a, a studio in town, but um, it's just like a fucking box and there's no vibe. And we wanted to like be inspired by the space that we recorded, you know, we didn't want to be in a fucking bedroom or in a dry brown box. We wanted somewhere that we could kind of set up like a house and, and chill at and have instruments everywhere and like rugs and cozy shit. Um, so it, it actually ended up being pretty cool um, as a space to record. I'd, I'd definitely love to do it again. And I think historically the bands always like flow into a different city to record but like heaps of fucked up shit has happened in our city. And, you know, we had like the earthquakes 10 years ago, which killed our best friend. And oh, we had the, the terrorist attack here uh, a couple years ago where this dude just like, like we don't have gun issues and shit in New Zealand, but this dude is an Australian guy walked into a mosque and killed like 51 people. Um, oh, I remember something about that. that was, yeah. That was so like, back. We've had a lot of, uh, you know, tough shit go on in our city and we wanted to like record this album here and have that be part of it. Like we really wanted to make this album a cathartic album that had a lot of feeling and intensity to it. So we thought if we just fuck off to a different city to record, we're not going to truly capture that. So we that's why we recorded here and that's why we flew the bro over from Australia instead of flying to Australia to do it. Okay, so uh, y'all are all about uh, living the good life then. Like, you're getting that death metal money. You're going to, you know, get some nice, comfortable uh, decorative pillows and stuff on the couches. I I got you, man. Yeah, the death metal money (laughs) is in the (laughs) (laughs) Um. 
so yeah, you were mentioning a little bit. Uh, one of the things I do love is like the use of uh, effects, like phasers. You have bass cuts, tremolo effects, uh, that spacey sound, and atop the wings of a magpie, which is actually a song that really showcases all these different effects. Uh, really helps to break up the music, make it a little bit more interesting. So, did you guys decide to do all of that, or were was your producer telling you guys y'all should experiment with that stuff? Um, well, it was our producer that started it. I mean, he sent us two pedals he wanted us to to buy before we recorded, which was um, like an old, like a boss pitch shifter and a uh, Earthquake Devices uh, rainbow machine pedal, um, which is just fucking whack. Um, you know, phasing, shifting, uh, a lot of flanging, delay. You know, it's just, it's fucking weird. It's the only way to really describe it. So we bought those two and... And then everything else there, you know, we just threw out. And it was mostly his suggestion. But once we started going on it, it was like, oh, fuck yeah, let's let's bring this in here. And, you know, like there's one piece where we, I think it's in black air and it's a tiny little like uh, arpeggio thing kind of where, you know, the riffs like do 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 And then it's got this like really high-pitched squealing kind of arpeggio pattern. And uh, we threw uh, ring modulators over those. And so that idea from me was actually based on this old band from Christchurch who I loved when I was a kid called Cripple Mr. Onion. No one outside of New Zealand Wait, probably know them. Cripple Mr. But Onion. They, yeah. But they use the ring mod all the time. Like the bass player who's a local legend and the guitarist who made his own pedals, they would use ring mod a lot. So for me, like getting a little bit of ring mod in there was just kind of like an honorable throwback there. So once we did get rolling, everybody was kind of like, oh, fuck yeah, this piece would sound sick with this effect here or that thing there. Once you so get a taste a of lot- the pedals, you get addicted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird because back in the day, I used to use heaps of pedals. And then when I joined Blindfolded, I was like, tuna, that's it, nothing else. Um, but now it'll, it's starting to kind of build out again. Right, there seems to be people in the community that are either like way into pedals or not into pedals at all. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I guess each song requires different things. So, but I also don't like the idea of having to travel with fucking two bags full of pedals. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's why you have a pedal board. Then you can just sling that over your your shoulder and you're good to yeah. go, man. <laughs> Uh, only in the morning 42 saying cripple Mr. Onion were sick Fudden Andy equal good and I'm not going to say the last part but I think you can figure that out <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so Fud was the bass player um, he played like 10 string bass just a fucking machine it's like a tabletop and he's just fucking tapping over here and that was like in the early 2000s so uh, he was definitely a trailblazer there and Andy made all of his own pedals um, just a fucking genius uh, you then had this mastered by Alan, and I'm, I think his last name is Duche. I'm not totally sure. At uh, West Westside uh, Music, who and they also uh, mastered bands like Dillinger, Under Oath, Atreyu, and actually uh, Autour, which is a band I interviewed about a month ago. Um, so, what was it like working with him? Oh, awesome, man! I think the bands worked with him at least on the last record, maybe even My Vaseline Diaries. Um, yeah, man, he's he's easy. He knows our shit and does a good job so we knew we could trust him and uh you know one of my favorite bands is nile so i'm always just like oh who did the nile shit oh yeah cool alan Sweet. oh he did nile too that's sick yeah yeah so yeah i mean he's well respected and so it was a pretty easy decision there 
Uh, speaking of Niall, you guys got Carl Sanders to be on uh, the uh, oh my. atop the wings of a magpie. Uh, that's pretty crazy, man. Like that's one of the bands you look up to, and y'all got him. Yeah, that was whack. Um, that was kind of like a pinch yourself moment. Like we were in lockdown, uh, and we only had a short lockdown here, like six weeks. But uh, we was actually we were penciled into tour with Niall. Um, they they were coming over here with ingested i think and we hadn't been announced but uh we were uh, it was us and an australian band um that were going to be doing the tour across new zealand dude that would have been and, sick oh my god yeah and i was like yeah niles like my favorite metal band in the world can't wait to do that um and then it got canned because of covid and uh and that was obviously like fucking heartbreaking and because we hadn't even announced it either it was like oh god like we were gonna open for nile and uh and your and friends were like yeah sure you were okay no, whatever no. <laughs> yeah cool cool story man um and then uh we saw that carl was like you know like fuck all my income streams are drying up from touring you know if anyone was wanted to do like guitar lessons or any like kind of skype chats or anything and he chucked his email online so we just emailed him and like Stace, the vocalist, sent him an email and was like, hey, bro, um, you know, we were looking forward to doing the tour with you here in New Zealand. Um, just wondering, would you be interested in like featuring on a track? And he was like, well, you know, depends if the track's any good. Um, so we had a chat and we thought, we thought, oh, well, this track would be awesome for him. So we sent it to him and he was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And within a week, he like sent us back the files and we were all go just like that, just super easy awesome dude to work with um fucking love everything he touches so awesome to have him on board that's fucking sick you guys also had a, a guy named callum gay on there i have no idea who this is <laughs> he's a new zealand hero he uh he's uh the the front man for spook the horses um so they're uh this anthropologic records um yeah they're pretty they're kind of like each album of theirs is different, you know, sometimes it's kind of leaning more like post-rock than post-metal. Sometimes it's post-metal, but with a lot of a heavier, um, aggressive edge to it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're based in Wellington, New Zealand, and the dude's just a real good dude. And the, the start of that song in particular, we thought kind of reminded us of this vocal section that he had done on one of their songs on a previous album. So uh, Nick, our bass player, had pointed it out, and he said, "Ah, oh, see what Callum does here. This kind of style thing would really fit well on this song." So he just sent a message, and you know, I was like, "Hey, bro, do you want a feature?" And he was like, "Yeah, sweet." Um, so yeah, got him on easy as. Um, What's his band's yeah, name again? Spook the horses. Spook the horses. Uh, only yeah, in yeah, the morning, uh, forty-two, saying that they're heavy, like Breach or Cult of Luna. Yeah. Yeah, they're a very, very sick band. Absolutely worth checking out. Uh, so your artwork for Nightmare Withdrawals was done by uh, a great mass, and they absolutely killed it. And I don't have it yeah. up right now. One sec. There we go. Now it's up. Uh, the, yeah, it, it totally fits, like 100%. Um, not 100% sure what we're looking at, <laughs> but it, it's awesome. Okay. So uh, what is, what's going on exactly? I have the album cover up right now. Um, oh man, we, we struggled to find the right artist for ages for a long, long time as we did the album name. Um, 
But once we kind of found the artist and looked at his style, we were like, okay, well, if we decide to go with Nightmare Withdrawals as the album title, that would fit with this style of artwork. So we just kind of sent him a, like, hey, you know, this is kind of what we're thinking. And, you know, he was like, do you want a male model or a female model? And we were like, fuck it, just kind of give us something in between. Um, And, you know, we wanted just, like, something heavy and traumatic in a sense um and he just delivered that to us uh, good dude to work with he's a polish guy cesari cesari uh, i don't know how to say his name but but yeah so i guess just like the face kind of like going off into like ambiguity ambiguity is something that ties in with the album you know because a lot of like i said before someone called it horror deathcore and a lot of people have used words like sinister creepy unsettling when they're talking about the music itself so we wanted the the album cover to really kind of capture that i think one of the scariest things for the human mind is ambiguity like you know like those plain white masks that don't have any expression you know no matter what context they're still kind of creepy and a lot of people were like head of the ocean it's a similar thing because you don't know what's around you Mm -hmm. same as in the dark so just that whole, um, you know, awkward, twisted body with the, the kind of head blowing out, um, you, you don't see any expression. And because of that, it kind of gives you that unsettling feeling. So was that all the, uh, the direction you gave them was just like, uh, you know, b- between male and female model and like something like uh, spooky and a- ambiguous about it? Or did y'all like yeah. tell him, I want the head to blow up and like the whatever to be dripping off his fingers and stuff? Yeah, so he, he brought a lot of that to the table. We, we actually went through a lot of his um, other work and we're like picked out like four or five images and we were like, this is what we're thinking, you know, this is the style we want you to align it with. So we were able to draw on his back catalogs. He's got heaps of shit on Instagram. Right. I saw um, it. Dude, he's got so much good work. Dude's insane. So we were just able to pull from his own, um, his own works really as the inspiration, which was really cool. Uh, so you also did some, uh, music videos, uh, I'm actually going to be playing them right now. Uh, we're playing um, the first track of the album. I already forgot the name of it. But, uh, so... The Inevitable Fate of the There universe. you go. The Inevitable Fate of the Universe. Uh, so, what was... why? Who had the idea for the music video, and what was it like filming it? Uh, that was our director, Amber Beaton. So, she's a, a New Zealand uh, director. She's a Māori woman who was based up uh, near Taupo. And uh, she, we, we hit her up to do a video because she does heaps of real sick videos for New Zealand metal bands. And, uh, and she came to us with the, um, with the treatment. So, it was all, all her idea. And, uh, and we just trusted in her vision, really. We were like, cool, well, you know, you know what you're doing. We trust you. Uh, we've blindfolded has never played their instruments in a video before and there's kind of been a bit of a a hesitation to do that like we didn't want to just have us standing there like a bunch of fuckwits playing guitar Um, so it was cool that it was quite choppy and um, like stroby but we just like hired a well borrowed a a warehouse Um, for, for anybody watching in New Zealand I just went on trade me and like 
looked at empty warehouses in our area and found one and sent this dude an email and said, hey, can my band film a video in your warehouse? He was like, this <laughs> and he was like, oh, yeah, what kind of stuff? And I was like, oh, heavy metal. And he was like, oh, yeah, like Metallica. I was like, yeah, like Metallica. <laughs> yeah, exactly, 100%. Okay, then, and he didn't even charge us. He just, like, let us have the warehouse and there was, like, an adjacent office block so we could, you know, have a place to keep warm and so it was in the middle of winter and, you know, have some soup and buns and shit. Um, but Amber did an epic job. We filmed it in one night. Damn. Uh, flew it, filmed it, and uh, she got it back to us in like a fortnight or something she was really quick uh really professional um and once again like used that motif of ambiguity like with the kind of white face dudes you know because just that whole unsettling nerve is is a really paramount aspect of the the music and this album in particular did uh the guy that you the guy whose warehouse you rented did he uh want want you to pay him some money after you found out you weren't metallica or you weren't playing metallica <laughs> stuff no nah, and i was worried because like we got fucking fake blood everywhere <laughs> like on concrete floor and shit and you know because at the end of the video like one of the dudes tips the vial of fake blood like all over the other dude and he rubs it over him himself in some sexy fashion and uh and it was like blood and shit all over the floor and i was like ah oh, fuck like went to clean it up the next day and um and was like fuck he's gonna hit me up like what the fuck did you guys do in here um but i dropped keys on i never heard from him again so all good <laughs> Uh, you've got some, uh, subtitles in here. I was trying to screw up the video to try to find them again. Uh, but it's something like, has the dog something about teeth? I'm not really sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? What were the, yeah, yeah. the subtitles about? Uh, they, they came from Amber, the director, and Stu. Um, they were actually just, uh, bits of a dream that Amber had had and some stuff from Stu's as well. So once again, that kind of nightmare thing, just coming back in, uh, for them for the inspiration but also just confusion you know like we didn't want anything that would just be blatantly like telling you a direct narrative or story we want to leave it a bit up to interpretation and you also told me before we uh, started the interview that the lyrics are based off of like your vocalist nightmares yeah for the most part yeah and uh yeah it's nightmares and experiences and um, well, there's like, a lot that y'all talk about in here. Like, yeah. there's uh, things about like relationships and uh, the universe and all, all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's one about suicide. At least it seems like it's about suicide. So, uh, yeah. like, he's dreaming all this fucked up shit. Yeah, he has pretty hectic night terrors. Um, yeah, he talks talks a lot about waking up screaming and and it's Jesus. like a an endless thing for him. And like, so nightmare withdrawals was almost like a a thing for him of like what would it be like for me to not have nightmares like would i experience withdrawals from that like the the nightmares and the terrors are a part of his everyday life uh you know how how would things be because you just assume like oh yeah well if i didn't have this bad shit happen to me my life would be good but when you become accustomed to it and it becomes part of your artistic direction and creation then what happens without it hmm uh y'all did another video uh for atop the wings of a magpie um this was also the one that had uh um 
Carl on uh, Car- what was it? Carl Carl Sanders on it, and uh, y'all uh, did this one on Metal Injection. Premiered through Metal Injection, and uh, looked like this did even better than y'all's uh, album release. Like y'all got more Spotify streams for this than, than your album release. Yeah. So uh, yeah, what was it like putting this out there, getting that crazy reaction, and uh, what was it like uh, getting the video together? It was a long process, uh, but we because we worked with zev deans who's a pretty well-known and respected uh director over in the states so you know he's some uh videos for cannibal corpse mastodon uh behemoth uh, a bunch of like hip-hop artists chelsea wolf stuff like that okay so and and i think the video he'd done years ago for portal uh with the creaky puppets and shit like that's been like a favorite of a couple of the guys in our band for years and it was kind of like a dream that one day we might get Zeb Deans to to do a video with us. And uh, and a whole thing about this album has been just emailing people and just hitting them up and seeing, you know. So we emailed him and said, you know, we got this track with Carl Sanders uh, from Nile, and we, you know, would love to do a video for you. Our budget's pretty small, but um, you know, once he kind of laughed at the initial budget, he was like, well, I have always wanted to do a song, a video for, for Carl Sanders, you know, cause fuck Carl Sanders. Yeah. Um, so, so he jumped on board and, um, yeah, so you're it was, invested it was with Carl's already paying off, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like it was odd cause like it was all done remotely, you know? So we weren't really sure what it was going to look like until we got the final product, you know? I think we got at one point like the first like 20 or 30 seconds and I was kind of like oh I don't know you know but then once we got the full video I was like oh yeah cool that's perfect you know we wanted it to be jarring and make people feel uncomfortable um and then yeah I guess once we released it it just cranked we got a lot of Spotify plays because uh we were playlisted um on like the death metal Spotify playlist um, but they've just gone on this weird vendetta and started like they deleted all their own like extreme metal playlists for some reason uh, like their grind call one their death metal one that's weird uh, anything yeah anything kind of extreme and they had like over 200,000 followers uh, on that playlist and they just fucking sucked it out of there um, huh. so yeah not sure why I, I actually wrote to Spotify and was like yo why are you getting rid of all these sick playlists and they were like oh why don't you go on Twitter and ask our gurus and I was like, oh, I get fucked. <laughs> um, what the fuck? It's such a good response. Yeah, like, we got like, yeah, heaps of good press from it. And I think that was, you know, partly because it's Carl Sanders from Nile. Um, right. And a lot of people, especially in New Zealand at that point, were shocked. They were like, dude, what the fuck? Like, you're the bros that live down the road and you just got Carl Sanders on a track. Like, what the fuck? Um, but then... I guess like uh, once we actually kind of started getting the album reviewed it was nice in a way to see all these reviews talking about the album and most of them didn't even realize Carl Sanders was on it or they wouldn't even mention it and it was like ah cool at least like at least we know that the album isn't only doing good because we had Carl Sanders on as a feature but actually some people overlook that because they just dig the album in, as a gen- in general Honestly, I didn't realize he was on there until a couple of days ago. Because I don't yeah. look at uh, song names and stuff. If it's not apparent already, I, I don't look at song names. So I, I didn't I didn't even see that he was listed on there. I just thought that your vocalist had a sick range, like getting down that low. But, 
So the yes. actual like uh, live live footage in the video, y'all didn't film any of that stuff. Like them in the car no, wreck or anything or, like that. Uh, that was filmed over. Uh, man, I can't even remember. Was it in New York? I think it was in New York. Um, but yeah, well, that was filmed by Zev and his team. Um, they just hit up a couple models on Instagram and got a sick car and then just went from there. Dude, that's crazy. So, we didn't have to organize any of that. We, you know, we paid Zev to do what he does. And wait, so they wrecked yeah. a car and stuff for your music video? Nah, I think I think he probably. I'm assuming the the wreck part is probably stock footage, okay. or you know, something like that. But um, all the all the like arguing scenes, the the two people on the car, all that stuff was all filmed. Yeah, that's crazy, man. A lot of effort we put into it. The dude does good work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he went pretty hard on it. Right? Um, you guys also posted a guitar playthrough about a week ago. Looks like you're really pushing videos, which I, I really uh, like to see. I think a lot of bands are kind of missing out on uh, on using videos. Like, it's another way to get your shit on another platform, you know? And, like, while stuff like performance videos aren't the best thing, like, y'all's, you did it, you did it right, you know what I mean? But also, like, bands should be posting videos, even if it is just, like, a shitty performance video. Like, you get way more, uh, get seen way, way more than, uh, if you didn't do that. I think it's just, like, it's expensive to do a video. And, I mean, like, you know, you hear what labels are offering bands to, in in terms of budget to film a video. It's like, fuck, what are you going to film with that? Like... A fucking phone video in the local supermarket you know they give you like 500 bucks or something so videos are expensive and i guess for bands that are probably in the same kind of field as us like you know independent or like newly signed bands that don't have good budgets it's kind of hard for them to justify spending money there if you're not going to get a direct return on investment um but for us we really wanted to have a lot of content with the album like we spent a lot of our own hard-earned money recording the album and we didn't want to not do it justice like why fucking spend all this money and time recording an album and then put it on the internet and just think that it's going to be awesome like you've got to back your shit up you know like provide content make it interesting for the people for the fans like i i would like to think that if i found a band and i thought they were sick i can engage in in that band in many ways I can go watch the videos, I can check them out on Spotify, I can listen, I can watch a guitar playthrough or a drum playthrough. You know, I want, I would like to feel that there's more than just one avenue of engaging. To me, the saddest thing that I see is a band having a great album and they don't do any promotion for it. It's so, so just furiating, man. Like, and I've known a couple of people that have done that and I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like. You got this awesome music and nobody knows it exists you know what i mean like you might as well have not even made it you know oh dude like new zealand bands are terrible for it because we i mean we're down the tiny little island at the bottom of the world uh a lot of bands here are really really good but they just don't get noticed because we can't just go and tour so easily and you know make ourselves known um but when we toured australia a couple years ago three years ago something like that um when we went over there really i really saw like the difference in professionalism just from their local bands compared to bands in new zealand and i think for me it was like man we need to like step up our game a bit and and treat the band as more of a business 
Like if we, if we want to really like take it to the next level, we have to take it to the next level ourselves first. Because no fans are going to take you seriously if you don't take yourself seriously. Right, um, right, exactly. And uh, now yeah. the internet's come along, like you guys can, you know, you guys have done a really good job at like uh, putting yourselves out there. I'm showing uh, the playthrough video, and dude, you have a sick fucking guitar. Holy shit. That is Thanks, beautiful, man. man. What, what kind of guitar is that? Uh, the It's an archetype New Zealand guitar. So it's a dude in the North Island, this little town called Palmerston North. And, uh, and he hasn't made a lot of guitars, maybe like in the realm of 10 to 15. But uh, I bought like one of his prototype models off him a couple years ago. And, uh, and it was really, really nice to play, uh, like a lot of New Zealand native woods. And so I just thought, fuck yeah, I'm going to get this dude to make me a guitar. Um, done me a solid price. Um, and I got to choose like every tiny detail of the guitar as we, as we built it. Like, so it was really cool to have that, that option. Um, sick. and the, the fretboard looks so freaking good. Holy shit. Yeah, it's uh, it's Swamp Cody, which is like uh, Cody's a New Zealand native tree, but uh, the Swamp Cody is like uh, it's been in a peat swamp for like thousands of years, so the wood's really figured and it's got like lovely kind of natural patterns. Dude, that's awesome! It looks so good. Uh, so I'm sure. Uh, actually, you were telling me that you guys are going to be resuming shows in a little bit. Which is awesome, man. Like, we haven't gotten to that point in the States yet. I'm waiting for that day. Uh, but so far, what, what's your best show been? I think probably our show in Melbourne, uh, in Australia. So, for me, that was my first time playing overseas. So, getting to go and play in a different country was really cool. And after the, after the earthquakes we had here 10 years ago, you know, where like 181 people died... Uh, it was fucking hectic. A whole town was just flattened. Uh, heaps of our friends all fucked off to Melbourne and Australia. So when we actually went over there and played, it was almost like playing a show back home. Yeah, like, like a coming home kind of thing. Packed crowd, but like half the crowd were people we knew that we just hadn't seen in a few years. Um, so that was really, really cool. I really enjoyed that show. Uh, what's been your worst show? Um, uh, we, we played a show in Dunedin a while back and there was a pretty small crowd. So Dunedin's like a town that's four hours drive South from where we are. And, uh, and it was a pretty small crowd and a pretty standoffish crowd. You know, you get a lot of the whole arms crossed kind of standing back. And at the end Um, of it, they're like, good set, bro. And then just walk off. It wasn't like particularly bad. I just think in terms of enjoyability, the night before we had played in Christchurch, our hometown, and it fucking cranked. And then the following night was just kind of a bit of a letdown. Um, but the, I mean, the last time we played Dunedin was with um, Organectomy, who are pals of ours. And uh, and they're, they're pretty big in the slam scene internationally now. Um, so we played with them in Depths, who are kind of a... Um, Oh, kind of like progressive, kind of Corey stuff. Kind of like if Core met Meshuggah. Um, so kind so of like gentle, but kind of cool. okay. Like, like oh, kind of more blast beats. Um, and and yeah, Swamp Dweller again, like a kind of like sludgy doom band. 
Um, and that was fucking epic. Like heaps of people through the door, people going crazy it was a insane show. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get uh, in a lot of New Zealand towns. You guys never like got in trouble or anything like that, like, uh, or like have a, your, your equipment go out or anything like that. Uh, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely happened. Uh, yeah, a lot, uh, like technical issues, they happen. Uh, one of the wildest ones was before I was in the band and, um, and I wasn't actually there, but, um, we were opening for Colossus who was an Australian band and Dawn of Azazel who are like a pretty big New Zealand band. And, um, and the guitarist who I eventually replaced was absolutely just ridden off drunk, like absolutely shit faced. And, uh, and apparently at one stage, like during the first song, they like look over and he's like upside down against the wall, like his head's on the ground and his body's up guitars, completely out of tune, just absolute maggot drunk. Um, and so the band actually just looked at the security and were like, get this guy out of here. Uh, <laughs> and they, Stage. So the band actually ended up playing the the whole set as a four piece. Um, Jesus and, Christ! And yeah, a nightmare. Yeah, the song they the song they played second was actually one of my Vaseline Diaries called "Sorry You're Not Invited." Um, so so they dedicated that to him as he is getting <laughs> taken off stage by security. <laughs> so there's probably one one and one that goes down in infamy. Um, the other one would probably be. I, I think the band had played one show ever and there was this weird fucked up thing that happened where uh, I used to, my band used to practice at the same sheds, but we've got like these storage sheds that we would play in. And next door was like the, the TV studio for like this kid's TV show in New Zealand. Uh, like what now? And the Evan Simpson show. I was going to bring it up. I was going to bring that yeah. up. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they had heard, uh band practicing and they like came over and saw Stu outside the gate and kind of talked to him and i think maybe it was like they thought that we were a different band like maybe a rock band that they had heard or something but they pretty much invited the band onto the show and uh so they were the guys were all real young it's fucking embarrassing but um it's, it's funny. Oh, dude, it's no, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing, man. I actually yeah. meant to have the video up, ready to go. I forgot to do that, so I'm getting it up right now. And uh, like last night uh, on TV here in New Zealand, like Bill Bailey's been in the country and he's doing like a um, a panel show with like New Zealand and Australian comedians. And one of the New Zealand comedians, because I was talking about Aaron Simpson, then bought up our band uh, on TV again. So it's kind of the gift that keeps giving. It's fucking funny. Um, I'm very thankful that I wasn't there because I get to kind of laugh at it. Um, Wait, so did this actually like uh, broaden their audience? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When the band was first starting, um, you know, a lot of people gave, gave them heaps of shit. So like, this is just fucking deathcore crap. Um, <laughs> And, you know, just laughed at them and whatnot. And I mean, the whole thing is really funny, um, especially the band trying to like dance at the end. Yes, um, yes, that's one of the best parts. But yeah, it definitely like brought in the band's horizon. And even now, like you get people commenting on videos that we post and they'll be like, oh, damn, I thought you guys were a joke or, you know, fuck, I remember this band from like that kids TV show thing like years ago. And like kids have even turned up to shows in New Zealand and, and said like, oh man, I was at the Aaron Simpson show and you know, now I'm a big metal fan. And yeah, so that's pretty funny, but that's probably one of like the infamous gigs for the band. Um, 
I don't think we'll ever live it down. So, what was the first time you? What, when did you first see this, and what was your reaction to it? Uh, I knew about it because you know we were friends and we'd all drink and party together. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing it. I think just like as soon as they uploaded it to YouTube, and just tears of laughter because it's like, how how the fuck did this happen? Like, how do you get a death metal band on? On, on a kids TV show like of all things and and like not only is it a kids TV show but it was like New Zealand's number one kids TV show it wasn't like one of many we're a small country you know so this was like what kids watched like every like Aaron Simpson now is a New Zealand known celebrity for the sake of a better term but like everybody knows her because they all watched her show as a kid so it really reminds um, me of a show that was on mtv uh trl uh total request live uh, like that's just crazy that this is that you that they were on that that's just insane um did this play any role in having you decide whether you're going to join the band or not were you just like oh i'm not sure i want to be a part of this well i know the band like throughout time has like had periods of like not wanting to talk about it hoping that it just fades into obscurity um but then i think they just kind of accepted it like this is always just going to be a part of our history and it is what it is um and it did help broaden horizons and it means that we'll get brought up in mainstream media here or there in new zealand um for me i mean i find it fucking funny um i'm thankful for the opportunities it's provided but i'm also thankful that i'm not in it um <laughs> so, so i kind of get the best of both worlds you know like they said to me the other night like oh, i feel bad for you that you have to cop shit for it and it's like nah i don't because i wasn't there uh, only in the morning says Stace looks like he tried to sell you a tinny in the car park. I have no idea what a tinny is, but it sounds like a funny statement. <laughs> a tinny is like, uh, like a small little uh, amount of cannabis uh, wrapped up oh, in tin foil. Okay, in tin foil? You, you guys use tin yeah. foil? Uh, well, it's how you'd buy weed in a small amount in New Zealand. So, uh-huh. like. 20 bucks New Zealand you'd get like a little kind of pencil worth of weed like rolled up usually about a gram um, you don't use yeah, plastic get, bags? nah we get 50 bags 50 bags is like 50 bucks for a baggie so that comes in a bag or if you're getting like a half ounce or anything more but like weed's still um, still illegal here so oh yeah, yeah I mean, we, we don't know anything about that we're talking about in a video game <laughs> if you were to buy weed in a video game it would come rolled up in, in 10 uh, into we were the actually so close to um we had a vote like in our general election and it was like something like half a percent or one percent difference between full decriminalization or not um so like half the country's like yeah fucking who cares if you smoke weed like i mean if the cops actually caught you with a tinny or a 50 bag they wouldn't give a fuck anymore they'd just be like yeah, yeah like i mean i work in health and disability and if someone's like going and smoking a joint i don't really give a shit it's no different to having a beer or two you know uh a no mini in a mini i think is their name uh in the chat says the referendum was a fucking travesty y'all called it the referendum <laughs> the referendum yeah <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> that's so good oh my god uh so your album seems to be doing fantastic. Like I was saying, uh, on the Spotify, y'all's streams are, are pretty good. Uh, what's the reaction been like? Surprising. I mean, you just never know how 
how people are gonna take oh, hold on. we're getting and... to the, we're getting to the dance part i i gotta i gotta comment on some dancing <laughs> if she'll do it real quick oh yeah right at the fast forward we're right at the end of it <laughs> i love them in the back oh no i fucked it up <laughs> so good man um i don't know if you're like looking at the stream right now but uh just oh my god that's so crazy that they were involved in that <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I cut you off. What was the uh, reaction been like for the album? Uh, I think for me it was surprising just because we are, we're an independent band. We're like self-released under our own label. Um, you know, like we're, we're all the way in New Zealand. We, we worked with a PR guy, um, but you know, he's the same PR guy we've had forever. Like he did the last album and probably the album before. So, you know, I was expecting maybe a similar reception um to see it i think like the first couple reviews were really cool and then once we got like the big review on metal injection then it was just like fuck, we're getting like five or six reviews a day i literally lost track of them because i was like oh, i'll try and keep all the reviews in a notepad on my phone so we can come back to them for press quotes later and i just lost track of them all there was just literally too many um and the fact that nearly all of them were really good, like dropping album of the year calls and shit like that was um, pretty surprising, uh, but also fucking cool because we did put a lot of hard work into it. And it's good to see that you can work hard uh, on all aspects of being a musician, not just the music, but the art direction, the videos, the promotion, the PR, the marketing, all the bits that kind of come together. If you do work hard, you can kind of, get the reps for it so it's cool to cool to see it doing well and i hope that bodes well for whatever we do next right it's wild you guys have been around for like this is your 10th 10th year anniversary right or is this 11 years uh, last year was the 10th year okay, we so actually have uh, real, real sick show lined up for it but covid yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. but yeah, like it's been 11 years and this is the first time that like, I've really been seeing you guys like, you know, your, your music being spread around. So, uh, it's gotta feel great to finally like, you know, and we haven't like made it, but you know, like finally get your stuff in people in a lot of people's uh, faces that wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Yeah. And because it's still like reasonably unknown, I'm, I know that it's not just going to be that kind of month of holy shit, this band's awesome. I know that a lot more people are going to continue to find it as the year goes on. So I'm anticipating, you know, like this time next year, um, we'll have a lot more fans and hopefully we can start actually touring overseas a bit more. Right. Um, I don't know if this means anything to you, but a nomine in uh, chat says the whole jazz saga was nuts as well. Oh, that would have been from the the Aaron Simpson show. So like back back when the band first started, they had three guitarists uh, originally and no bass player. But um, Nick became the bass player, and they had this guitarist Jazz. Um, and he they they talk about on the Aaron Simpson show. Basically, he he was a bit shit faced at a party uh, and fell off a roof of an apartment building. Oh, um, he's the guy that has both his legs broken. I thought yeah, that was just like a bullshit story that they made up. On no, that. no, it's a real story. I mean, he says that he was like sitting on the edge of the thing and like fell. Um, I mean, I was at the party that night, but I had like left early. But I mean, I do kind of recall him talking about parkour and shit. It's like, was he out on the roof trying to like jump around and shit? But it was quite a few stories up. And, uh, 
And yeah, and he fell and he like, I don't even know what he busted, but a lot of shit from his feet right up into his back. Um, Jesus. Yeah, man, like brutal Holy recovery time. And, and like, he was like laying down in this courtyard of this apartment building for fucking hours. Cause we were at like a big party, man. We we're all fucking wasted and nobody noticed he was missing. And he was just down in this courtyard for hours, just like screaming for help. Um, and yeah, no one even noticed. So pretty Holy brutal but shit, dude what the fuck yeah yeah like hectic as um yeah poor dude man it would have been fucking painful jesus but yeah real, real story actually happened <laughs> holy crap man uh so moving on from that to uh what what was the last album you listened to uh last album possibly oh maybe this australian band called growth um they I, I found them like at the end of last year they they were on the australian radio show the big one over there and their song was on before hours or after hours or something and i heard them and uh i just fucking loved it it was a song called cigarette burns and it was really different and unique um and still quite raw um so they were like a three-piece I, I saw the other day they've actually just added a couple of new members but they released this album called the the smothering arms of mercy and it's fucking epic, man. What I absolutely of, love it. What kind of music? Oh, it's definitely like technical death metal, but kind of dissonant, um, but not real like that polished tech, tech death. Mm. Um, like it's still really raw and, you know, the, the vocals are quite emotionally jarring in points. It's, yeah, really interesting. Closer to like y'all sound. Oh, kind of in parts, but um, definitely not as like full on riffs. Um definitely more spatial and um it's got a lot more room to breathe but yeah they're not super well known like maybe like 300 monthly listeners only a few thousand plays on their songs but it's really epic um i fucking really dig it so you have death metal playing on your radio sorry you have death metal playing on your radio that's on the australian triple j they've got like a metal show there we used to have a metal show on our on our New Zealand main rock station, but um, they they got rid of that a couple of years ago, which is a shame because the dude Paul Martin, who runs there, has done a lot for metal over the past thirty years. Um, but yeah, we don't we don't have like a mainstream metal channel here now. But there's one in Australia. That's crazy, man. Yeah, well, they play like pop shit and stuff during the day, but they've got their their uh, metal show. Yes, yeah, Triple oh, J. Okay. It's pretty, pretty station. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you can find that on the radio in the U.S. Like, period. I don't think uh, people want to even acknowledge that that exists over here. That's crazy oh, that wow. it sees like play on radio like overseas and stuff. Um, what was your album of the year, either for last year or leading up to this point this year? Uh, last year was would probably have to be Ulcerate. Um, Good choice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they they're just incredible and. I thought it was a really well thought out album. Um, I definitely like before that album, I preferred their earlier stuff as to where they were kind of heading, but I really liked the the direction it's heading. And now um, the, the drummer is just a fucking madman, Jamie. He's incredible. And it's like an honor for people when they talk about our shit to even kind of use ulcerate as their, their name. Cause for me, it's like, damn ulcerate are fucking insane. Weirdly enough, they're more famous overseas than they are in New Zealand. Like 
most people in New Zealand who don't listen to death metal wouldn't have a fucking clue who Ulcerate are. Yeah. Like, if, if someone listens to maybe, like, I don't know, more accessible metal, you know, like kind of core stuff or gent or anything like that, they've probably never even heard of Ulcerate, even though they might live in the same city. Um, well, Ulcerate's really big overseas, um, weirdly. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, that, al- that album was really, really sick i really dug that and then second to that would have been the growth album which came right right at the tail end of last year um this year so far probably uh two albums i've been digging would be the moral collapse album and the june album i have never heard of either of those bands uh, both both quite cool I'm uh, June so Hold on a second. moral collapse you said moral collapse so that's that's just come out um and june is totally different it's more like a um kind of prog sludge um but yeah very very interesting music is it june is in the month june uh june is in d-u-n-e except it's a v instead of the u and they're a scottish band um but yeah they're that's a really sick album that's sick uh, so your streaming video has the logo for Landmine Records on it. Is that you guys? Yeah, man, that's us. We uh, we shopped around the album at the end of last year, like October, November, and um, and we used like Horlicks uh, for like our online EPK. Super polished, like looked really good, looked really professional. Had all the tracks, had the videos on there, um, and like most labels didn't even open it. And you you had the videos made before you shopped it to labels? Yeah, yeah, we had everything Damn, done. Damn, dude, like, y'all invested a lot into it up front then. Yeah, we were like, we've got everything done. Like, here's a, here's a fucking package that you can just pick up and run with. Um, and we just like, didn't really hear anything back. Um, I think Ben Wyman, uh, his label, like he opened it up and he was like, we're not signing any bands, but this is fucking cool. Um, so that was nice, but yeah, like you could see that the other art, the other labels hadn't even opened the link to, to like, look at it. Um, That's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess now showing like, them now, them, aren't you? Like you're really uh, sticking it to them now. I, I guess like seeing now that there is interest, it's like, man, you guys had this shit on a platter and no one even, no one even opened the email. Um, but I guess maybe COVID had a hand in that, like labels were just not interested in, and taking on your bands, not realizing that we had done everything for them. Um, Cause yeah, we had, we already had like all the artwork done for the, for the vinyl, um, everything like merch lined up videos, everything was good to go. But yeah, we just didn't hear back from anyone. So we were like, Oh, well, well let's just release it ourselves. You know, we're more than capable of doing it. We've fucking already done everything anyways. So we came up with uh, Landmine Records, which is a throwback to the song from Modern, Licking a Landmine. And, uh, and yeah, we just went that way. We hired a PR dude. We released it ourselves. And it means that we can, um, we can still work with other labels with distribution deals. Um, we've still got complete control and ownership of the music. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, it's nice knowing that whatever money this makes, we'll actually see back instead of giving 80% of it to a record label. Right. So, well, it actually is, but y'all own the record label. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's not really a record label. It's just something you're putting on there to look more professional. Well, yes and no. So 
I mean, it helps us in terms of being able to connect with other industry professionals rather than just being like the, the guitarist from the band or whatever. Um, but at the same time, um, Nick, Stace and Stu spend a lot of time uh, with Landmine and I think there is intention there to actually re-release some older uh, recordings from other bands and, and probably work with, with bands of all genres because all of us listen to heaps of different kinds of music. We're not all just solely metalheads. Oh, it's sick. Okay. Um, well, all I could find was a Facebook page, so it didn't really seem like uh, there was a lot being put into it that it was just something y'all were throwing out there. But that's really cool that y'all have plans to make it bigger. Um, you guys also released cassettes through Sledgelord Records. Uh, how how'd you get hooked up with them? I guess they opened the email. Yeah. <laughs> well, they uh, Once we released it, I think um, Aaron had heard it, and he was like, wow, this is fucking sick. And he hit up Stu on Instagram and uh, slid into his DMs. And basically was like, man, I'd love to do this if you guys were keen. And we hadn't really thought about cassettes. And we were like, oh, yeah, cool. Well, let's just line something up and get it done. So easy done, just like that. Little gentleman's agreement. And away she goes. Yeah, he seems to be picking up a bunch of the uh, a bunch of great bands lately. Uh, so you guys, uh, for sale, you got shirts, you got CDs, you got vinyl. All of it's available at baltw.bandcamp.com. You got anything you can show off for us? Yeah, bro. We just got a new t-shirt done. We're making a lot of merch nowadays. It's kind of my job. I'm the merch guy. So P- Pick it up just a little bit more. Give that whole design. That is sick. What is that supposed to be exactly? Uh, it's like a kind of decomposing deer's head with uh, a kind of decomposing snake running through it and a bunch of uh, antlers and stuff. So it's kind of loosely based on the song, uh, The Obscured Witness. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's just one of many. We'll probably print like 50, 60 of those and then move on to another design. Did you have any other uh, shirts you could show us or is that the only thing you got Um, on you? I don't have anything here at home, but we've got some more getting printed at the moment. So we're getting album tees, we've got some long sleeves and some skate tees as well. So there's definitely a lot of stuff coming through Bandcamp. Uh, When are y'all expecting the vinyl to come in? Oh, uh, shipping hopefully in about three weeks from Czech Republic to us. So we'll then ship it from there. Um, So that's for our for our black gatefold so it's hard to tell like we're really gagging to get out there and tour. y'all did like, a gatefold really to- yeah yeah damn uh, dude. all right we really want to tour new zealand and australia as soon as we can but we need to wait till we've got the product with us so we can actually sell it when we're when we're out and about right what about like cds and stuff y'all got those done right yeah man they're on the way so we are expecting them within a fortnight. So we, we actually weren't going to do CDs at first because, uh, you know, we didn't know how well the album would be received. So we were like, okay, well, let's just do vinyl and, and a couple of <laughs> So n- not the cheap option. Let's do the, let's do the really expensive <laughs> one first. Like no one, no one really buys CDs here anymore in New Zealand. Like, that is true. I mean, I, I, until very recently, I've had no way to even play a CD at home. Um, but I got a, I got a record player. Um, so we were like, fuck it. Well, we'll just do vinyl and, and see, see how we go. And then heaps of people were like, what the fuck make CDs come on. And because the album was picking up steam and doing so well, uh, we decided retroactively to do CDs. 
That's hilarious. But it, it makes it makes some sense. I see what you're saying. Like vinyl does sell better than CDs. <laughs> uh so uh yeah, uh that's about all I had to talk about unless you had something else you wanted to bring up. Nah man, I guess I'm just stoked that it's being received well and and people are connecting with it. Um you know, it's weird music. It is hard to hard to put in a box. Um and I guess because of that it's like fuck are people gonna gel with that or are they gonna go this is weird i don't get it um but people are getting it and so that's cool and it's a, a pleasure to be able to kind of chat about it and and see it out there like i mean we're in a lot of like community metal community groups um and we're always in there chatting shit um and it's nice to actually get to talk to people who are appreciating it and stuff rather than just being like, Oh yeah, cool. These are fans and not really engaging with them. It's called cool actually just be on a friendship level and talk shit with people. So really digging that aspect of it. I guess something we should bring up, uh, you said you have shows starting back up again. So, uh, what, what are some of the ones you have lined up? We've got one next weekend in Christchurch here with um, I Am Void, who are like a dissonant death metal band from Dunedin. Um, they're definitely going to be like one of the New Zealand bands to keep an eye on moving forward, like, you know, once they start releasing some more material. Um, and uh, bands Treachery and Fall of Them, which are not really in our genre, uh, so to speak, but we really want to do shows that are showcasing different different bands in our area and be able to cross pollinate with fans and, and people. Um, and then hopefully once we've got the vinyl, maybe like August, September, we'll, we'll get touring New Zealand and Australia. Hopefully. I mean, the bubbles open between our two countries. Now we can travel without quarantine. Oh, um, nice. So means we can just go over there and play shows and we can come back home and we don't have to spend two weeks in a hotel so that's sick that's man. oh my god it's crazy that i think that that's amazing when like because we can't do shit over here man that, that's awesome uh um, yeah i feel bad but the interviews we've done like talking to people and they're like man i haven't seen a live show in like a year and a half and that's just fucking weird because we've been playing shows since oh man like september october last year like yeah there's been no no conditions on our shows whatsoever Crazy. That's what happens when a country has its shit together. You know what I mean? Like you could just, you know, move on to life as normal. Uh, are y'all, I assume y'all want to come to the States at some point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was actually the, the main goal of this album was that we would be able to tour the States and Europe. Like that's the main thing we want to do. Like we don't really care about signing to a big label or having that, kind of appearance that we're doing really well we just want to be able to tour we want to be able to take our shit overseas and not go poor because of it <laughs> like i would like to be able to pay my rent um and tour um so yeah that's that's kind of our top goal is to get overseas that is the dream be able to tour and pay your rent i like it uh well on that note let's uh, move on to the outro um if you're looking for something to listen to while you go it I'm sorry, I had that. That was the last outro. Uh, if you're looking for some crazy dissonant death metal, you should definitely check out uh, Blindfolded and Led to the Woods' uh, newest album, Nightmare Withdrawals, which came out back in uh, March. Uh, you guys are on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I believe it was Twitter too. I think I tagged you on Twitter. 
Yeah, we just started the Twitter. Okay. It's fresh. fresh. And, uh, yeah, uh, so check them out. And you're on all the, the streaming platforms. Are there any other social plugs that I'm missing? I'm sorry, my notes were all messed up. <laughs> no, nah, I think that's it, eh? That's all, that's all our things. Okay, sounds good. Uh, as for me, drop me a follow so you always know when I go live. You can also sub to get access to the interviews before they hit YouTube, as well as access to some exclusive emotes. Uh, you can also sub for free by attaching Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. YouTube folks, if you enjoyed the video, please drop a like, tickle the notification bell, and don't forget to subscribe. It's a great way to support me for free. Check out my music, The Sound That Ends Creation, at thesoundthatendscreation.bandcamp.com. Uh, my next guest is Louisiana-based chaotic hardcore band Capra, whose debut album, In Transmission, drops this Friday through Metal Blade Records. Uh, join us this Sunday, the 25th, right here at twitch.tv slash creation for the live Livecast. Thanks for being here, Ben. Hope you had a good time. Yeah, man. It was awesome. Great chats. Hell yeah. And uh, thank you guys for watching and listening.